Hi, I'm Phil Morehart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. Weeding. The thought of it conjures either absolute loathing or total happiness in those who have to do it. And it's understandable. Ridding ourselves of things, be it old, unused, or outdated books, or simply items that don't spark joy anymore, to quote Marie Kondo, is a hard process. But regardless of where you sit on that spectrum, weeding has to be done. And what better time than now, spring, to start thinking about or jumping into that long overdue weeding project. This week on the Dewey Decibel Podcast, we're joined by two librarians to discuss different, but very similar, aspects of weeding. First, I speak with Rebecca Vanuk. She's Executive Director of Library Reads and author of The Weeding Handbook, A Shelf-by-Shelf Guide. We talk about, well, weeding, why it's necessary, how to get started, and what to say to those naysayers about its importance to your library's collection. Next, I talk with Brian Green, He's a librarian at Columbia College in Sonora, California. Brian, along with several colleagues, co-wrote a fascinating article in the October 2018 issue of CNRL News on ebook weeding. We discuss the ins and outs of ebook weeding and give tips for listeners who may be considering undertaking such a task. But first, a word from a sponsor. ALA Job List is the award-winning source for jobs in library science and technology. If you're looking for a new job or an employer who wants to advertise a job opening, Job List has you covered. Job seekers can refine and filter searches by position type, employer, or location, post resumes, and automate alerts to never miss a posting. Employers can rest easy knowing that ALA reaches the engaged professionals that they want to hire. It also simplifies recruiting by offering flat rate pricing, discounted multi-ad packages, and enhanced postings for increased visibility. ALA Job List. It's where job seekers and employers get results. Visit joblist.ala.org for more information or to begin your search today. Get on the list. Rebecca Vanuk has a thing for weeding. She loves it. The executive director of Library Reads, she's the author of The Weeding Handbook, a step-by-step guide from ALA Editions, and she also used to write Weeding Tips. It's an excellent column on the subject of Booklist Online. Rebecca is an incredible fountain of wisdom on this subject. And when we here at Dewey Decibel Central started discussing a weeding episode a while back, we knew Rebecca was the first person we had to talk to about this. Rebecca. Thanks for joining us today on the Dewey Decibel Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Phil. Absolutely. Now, um, anyone that knows you or knows about your work from uh, your work at Booklist or your book, uh, from reading your book, The Weeding Handbook, uh, they know that you love weeding. You love to do something <laughs> that a lot of people hate. <laughs> um, I do. <laughs> well, what, what, what about weeding do you love, and why do you think so many people are so averse to it? So um, I have no heart. No. <laughs> I'm actually I'm just not a very sentimental person. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. When it comes to library books, um, I am one of those people that um, 
you know, I, I am a book person, right? I love to read. That's why I became a librarian. It's why I do what I do. But what I love is I love the stories and I love the ideas. I don't have the belief that the vehicle is what's the important thing. And that is what's hard for some librarians to kind of get past. You know, when we when we when you look at it, librarians are sort of like the defenders of the book, right? And yeah. so they take that very seriously that destroying anything is it's just it's anti what we do. Um, so it can be very difficult, and they have this emotional response to books. And it's really difficult. Um, there, there are a number of things that I find librarians say over and over again when they struggle with weeding. Um, one of the first things is, well, this is taxpayer money, right? So they have a hard time thinking, you know, we, this is not my book. I don't have permission to do anything with this. This belongs to the patrons of my libraries. Um, that's taxpayer money. I can't weed it. And the response back to that is, Honestly, it's a waste of taxpayer dollars to keep outdated or grungy books on the shelf. That's not being a good steward of the public's money. Um, another reason is you get a lot of this sort of the personal relationship. If they are the ones that bought that book, um, it can be very hard for them to then have to give it up a few years later. If they think, well, you know, I spent my time and my energy selecting this. I thought it was the right book people loved it or maybe they didn't, they feel this kind of personal relationship that, you know, I, I'm responsible for that book. And I encourage librarians like that to sort of think of their personal responsibility to the collection as a whole instead of book by book. Um, and remembering that it's the library's collection, not their collection. Um, another thing that people worry about is, is it going to look bad for us to have empty shelves, right? Like they, they maybe they know they need to weed, but they're dreading it because they think, oh my gosh, this whole range has to go. What do I do? Well, I'm I'm of the 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 sort that thinks it's better to have nothing available than to have the wrong thing available. Um, especially when it comes to nonfiction, like outdated medical books and outdated law books, um, information that can actually be damaging. I would rather have to turn someone away or to tell them, hey, let's go online and see what we can find. Um, on our databases or on websites versus giving them a book that's got outdated information. Um, but that's another, that's a big sticking point for some people is if I have to get rid of, if I have to clean out the medical section, you know, 90% of that's going to go. And I'm like, maybe 90% of it should go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of where I go on that. And then the last thing that people worry about is, well, this is somebody's favorite book. I can't get rid of somebody's favorite book. And my response to that has always been, that's why ILL exists. <laughs> yeah. or or even better you know what if it's somebody's favorite book they probably own it <laughs> so yeah. I, I try to not get too sentimental about what other people might be feeling about books so now where should a library begin when undertaking a weeding project what's what are some good first steps in your opinion well to me the first step is really um gathering your your data, gathering your numbers, right? We all, um, libraries all have their records are all computerized. So guess what? That information is right there for reports. Um, uh, most libraries choose to either go with the last circulated date or they choose to go with the number of circs. Um, but there's any kind of, you know, different configurations you can do. You can run things, um, the, the copyright date of the book versus when it last went out. There's, there's ways to kind of manipulate the numbers that you need into a report that helps you. So 
So I always say, you know, get those reports. And that is something also that you can show people who ask you, you know, why are you pulling all these books? And you pull out this ream of paper that shows the 400 books that haven't gone out in 10 years. It's something, it's very concrete. They could really look at that. Um, Once you have that in hand, you know, this is one of those things that people kind of think, oh, librarians are just kind of willy-nilly going to the shelves and grabbing stuff off of it that they don't like the way it looks. <laughs> and it's like, no, there's, there's numbers behind it. Like there's, there's science behind this. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you pull the books from there. And I always try and tell people, you know, that's only the first step. You, you can't just pull those books and those are the ones that go, right? You have to actually look at each one of them on a case by case basis and say to yourself, oh, okay, well, this one hasn't gone out, but maybe that's because it's book three in a series and we haven't had the new book out in the series yet. So like these are all professional decisions that need to be made. But the the first step is definitely get your reports in order and figure out, you know, determine, determine what you want your numbers to be. Um, Smaller libraries that don't have space. Sometimes they're on a one, two or three year cycle. Larger libraries can go five years out. Um, it's it's always the, the the people that work there know best what numbers are going to work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing that um, I, I think was extremely helpful potentially for our listeners is the um, the crew method, and you, you you've, you've you've written about this in the past, and that's particularly the, the the musty acronym to help guide. I think with that second phase of of the weeding process, can you talk uh, talk a bit about that for us? Yes, totally. So the crew method is the absolute hands down holy grail of weeding. Um, <laughs> the crew method, uh, it's, it's out right now from the, um, I believe it's the State Library of Texas, and this mm-hmm. was written, oh gosh, um, it's been updated a couple of times now. Um, uh, I actually, I, I based my book off of the way that they kind of did it. They literally go shelf by shelf. It's in Dewey order. Um, and they, they talk about exactly what needs to come out of what section and what you should be keeping in what section. And their big acronym is MUSTIE, M-U-S-T-I-E. So the M is misleading, books that are factually inaccurate. U is for ugly, books that are beyond mending or rebinding. The S is for superseded by a new edition or a much better book on the subject. T is for trivial, uh, no discernible literary or scientific merit. I irrelevant, it's irrelevant to the needs and interest of your particular library community. And the E of musty is for elsewhere. The material is easily obtainable from another library. So that's one of those kind of, you know, cute little things to have in your mind. And they have, they actually, um, they assign like a weight to all of those things for each, each section. So of course, nonfiction, um, things that are superseded or misleading those are those are what you work on more than like in fiction you're looking at things that are maybe trivial or can be found elsewhere or are beyond rebinding hope yeah i think the the acronym itself is even just the word musty yes <laughs> if, the, if, the, if you have a musty book if it smells exactly more, get rid of it um exactly now, exactly now in, in your in your experience a year's experience weeding, what do you think is the hardest section of the library to weed? So the hardest, that's that's an interesting question. I bet different librarians will all say something different. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I actually think that fiction is harder to weed than anything. Um, and that's for two reasons. For The first thing is nonfiction in general, this is a very general statement, 
can be easier because it can be really easy to see when something is outdated. Um, and you, just using your common sense, you know that you don't want um, an astronomy book from the 1980s anymore. Uh, you know that you don't want that medical book from 1999. You know, you know, you can, you can, at a first glance, you can just tell, right? Um, or even just knowing the book's copyright date. Like that's something you can easily pull and, and, and get rid of it. Um, but when it comes to fiction, fiction, again, going back to that whole excuse of, oh, but this is somebody's favorite book, right? That really kind of tugs at the heartstrings and it makes you kind of think, oh, you know, if we could just keep up with all of these, maybe somebody will discover this author that's been languishing on the shelf or, you know, oh, I used to read these back when and I, they were my favorite. Or the worst is when, like, the author has died and you know that they're not going to have anything bringing people back to the shelves, but you don't want to get rid of them. Um, so there's there's more of that emotional response to that, and it can be very tricky um, to do to do fiction in that sense. Now, um, I have w one more question for you, and uh, mm -hmm. something that I've, I've always been curious about when I talk about weeding with people, and it's one of the first things I ask people is, what is the strangest book or strangest <laughs> bit of material that you found in a weeding project? Oh, boy, I have so many. Can I tell you a couple <laughs> of different things? Because they're Go awesome. It. Go for it. <laughs> I wish I had visuals for you here. So um, actually, once upon a time, when I was reading a very small suburban library, I actually kept a bookshelf in – actually, it wasn't a shelf. It was a cart, so I could roll it around and show people. I kept a cart of things that we weeded that was like – we called it the cart of shame. Um, and I, I, I wheeled it into a library board weeding once meeting so I could <laughs> board meeting so I could show them, hey, this is what I'm getting rid of. And on that cart, um, some of my favorite things were the disco dancing book that had the floppy plastic record inside. Do oh, wow. you remember those from like the seventies? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like nobody had even like perforated it and taken it out. So that was that was a good one. I'm like, hey, let's get that off the shelf. Um the other one was um oh my favorite. The, the Jane Austen omnibus. So picture this giant chunk of a book. So this, like, it's, I don't know, six Jane Austen novels in one, like, Reader's Digest super edition, okay? Oh, wow. Which is bad enough, like, just on that. But this has got to be, like, I thought it was a prank at first. The ugliest book I've ever seen. It had the classic wavy, wavy um, pages as though somebody had dropped it in the bathtub. Um, it smelled like cigarette smoke, and there was something green growing on the inside cover, which I'm fairly certain was mildew. Oh. And there it was on ourselves, just waiting to be checked out. And I looked at that, and I thought to myself, okay, not only is this one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen, but Jane Austen, like, I don't know, I think I can walk over to Target and get some Jane Austen books. Like, <laughs> those are not things that are hard to replace. <laughs> And so I thought to myself, you know, honestly, we could buy brand new copies of all six of those books for less than $40. And for some reason, though, we thought it would be better to keep this omnibus on the shelf. And that that was always my favorite to bust out. I put it in a plastic bag so that nobody else <laughs> had to, like, touch it. But I was like, look, this this is the kind of thing that does not belong on a library shelf, especially when it is something that is so very easily replaceable. Uh, Rebecca, this has been fascinating. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, You're very welcome. needs to check out your book, The Weeding Handbook, A Shelf-by-Shelf -shelf Guide. It's available from ALA Editions. I highly recommend it. Rebecca, thanks so much.
Thank you, Phil. Do the posters on your wall spark joy? Refresh your walls with a wide selection of posters from ALA Graphics. You can find posters of Caldecott Medal winners, National Library Week posters, and of course, the famous Celebrity Read posters featuring everyone from John Green and Sarah Jessica Parker to Octavia Spencer and Constance Wu all holding their favorite books. For a limited time, you can buy four posters and get one free, now through April 29th, 2019. Use code DECIBEL1, that's D-E-C-I-B-E-L-1, at checkout when you order online at alastore.ala.org. When we think of weeding, our minds usually turn to physical materials in the library. And that's understandable. They're the most immediate. We see them every day. But what about the unseen? How do you deal with the things that aren't tangible, but still require attention when it comes to weeding? Ebooks in particular. The California Community College Library Consortium faced this exact problem a few years ago. And three of the librarians involved, Brian Green from Columbia College, Tamara Weintraub from Palomar College, and Glorian Sittman from Miracosta College, chronicled the process and its results in the October 2018 issue of CNRL News. Brian joins us here on Dewey Decibel to discuss the project and what you should consider before you start weeding your ebooks. Brian, welcome to the Dewey Decibel Podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, ebooks, ebook weeding. This is something that, you know, honestly, had never really occurred to me uh, <laughs> that you would have to weed an ebook collection. I think that some people might be like me. Uh, mm-hmm. When you, they think about that, I mean, why would someone want to weed an ebook collection because they don't take up any physical space, they don't, they don't wear out, or they get damaged? Um, what? I guess I have a twofold. To start off, I have a twofold question for you. Mm-hmm. Why would a library want to weed their ebooks, and what mm-hmm. led you? What led the California Community College Library Consortium, the CCLC? What led to your massive ebook weeding project? Sure. So you're right. I mean, the main things that you think about the, for the kind of prompt weeding is you're running out of space or, or things are really damaged. Uh, and the, you know, physical things are damaged and you want to get them off the shelves. And that's not an issue with ebooks. But I would say apart from those two things, um, there are a lot of similar factors. So you, libraries want to make sure they keep current and relevant materials. Um, and that's true whether it's an, an ebook or a print book. And in the case of, you know, this is a, a, a community college consortium, so we're, we're here serving the needs of the curriculum of our respective colleges. Uh, so there's an additional need to make sure that, you know, we're staying true to that, that we're providing timely materials, relevant materials that support the curriculum. Uh, so this project came about, we, we had started to field a number of calls from, uh, our field. So we, our consortium represents 114 community colleges in the state, which is all of the community colleges in the state. And about 105 of those 114 had at one time or another participated in uh, the this ebook uh, package. So they had a voice, a vested interest in this. And that's a lot of librarians involved. And so we started hearing from folks, from librarians, saying, you know, some of these uh, ebooks that we have are now 
15, 20 years old, and, and they're, they need to go. We need to get rid of them. Um, and there was a kind of a stopgap measure that uh, people could take, and that was to remove the links from their OPACs, from their catalogs, uh, which removed one of the main access points. But the, the nature of the shared ebook collection is such that you that didn't remove the book from the native interface, and which by this time was through um, through EBSCO. So a student who went into the, you know, the EBSCO ebook interface could still find these books that the librarians felt were no longer uh, serving students, that they were problematic for one reason or another. And so we'd been receiving these requests to look at that for for a little while. Um, and, you know, honestly, kind of the challenges of the problem sort of prevented us from doing something earlier. And, and the main challenge was each of these libraries had purchased perpetual access to these ebooks. So they own these ebooks forever. And there wasn't a way to remove access just for a single library. It was all or nothing. So here we were faced with the problem where librarians own these. They both believe they own these, and they literally own these books. Uh, and we essentially wanted to remove those books kind of unilaterally. Now, most people agreed that there was a need for you know, some of the books to be removed, but it certainly wasn't a unanimous um, uh, call at the time. Some folks said, you know what, the, we bought these and we would like to just keep them. Um, but that was a relatively small minority. So we were able to uh, you know, get some movement, uh, some consensus that something needed to be done. And, and that's kind of what kicked off this project. And with that many community college libraries involved, 114, how did you even start that process with that many different stakeholders involved? Um, what was that process like even just starting? And then can you kind of just walk us through how you actually do it with that many people involved? Sure, yeah. So so like I say, that that was kind of the the holdup to kind of get the ball rolling. And, and I would say was probably one of the biggest hurdles was kind of overcoming um, the inertia and actually getting started. Um, but in the end, you, you know, we I think we what we came up with is a, was a really good process. So kind of the main steps of the process was, you know, first just exploring it. So looking at what the benefits would be, different ways to address it, uh, and getting approval for the plan before before actually doing anything. Um, the second step involved, and this was the largest step, although I think maybe the first step of kind of getting out of the game was the most challenging, but uh, the second step was actually con conducting the review. So, and this was a, a comprehensive review of all of the titles in the collection, which at that point were a little over 27,000 titles. So it was a lot of titles that had been purchased, you know, a um, couple thousand at a time over the years. Uh, and then the, the final step was to actually remove them. So there are three main steps, the exploring the problem, doing the review, and then the technical process of actually removing them. Yeah, that um, that second step, that, that mm -hmm. extensive second step, um, you kind of go through this in your the, the CNRL uh, news article. That's right. um, I was fascinated that you know, each reviewer had roughly 2,500 books to go through, yeah, which yeah. seems bonkers to me. Uh, yes, and, you know, so I was one of those reviewers, um, and and so in rereading the article uh, in, in preparing for for our discussion today, I thought to myself, 
wow, that why did I sign on to that? That was so <laughs> many to go through. And you know, it's been a it's been a couple, few years now, so it's starting to fade uh, from me. But it was a lot of titles to go through. Now, granted, yeah. a lot of them are quick, right? So you can look at it and say, okay, uh, this is you know, something about the French Revolution or whatever. It's a topic that doesn't change that much, and it's probably fine to have a title in there from 2002. Um, and so you, you know, you were able to make decisions on some of those pretty quickly. Uh, but the ones, you know, it was a lot of, of individual titles to go through, and, it, and we, I know everybody took it very seriously, and it took, you know, it took us a number of months to make it through just that initial pass. I kind of breezily said it was, an, you know, referred to as an initial pass, but it, it took a long time for us to go through those and carefully consider them. Yeah, I think uh, you, you, you detail this in your piece. There was uh, 12% of the collection you ended up ended up weeding more than 3,200 book or books, I guess you'd say. Um, That's right. It's a, a lot, yeah. And it took um, from start to from start to finish three years. Now, when That's right. when that did did you did you did the consortium anticipate it taking that long? No, it didn't. Um, and that was in part, though, because the actual process of removing them ended up being quite a bit more challenging than we thought. And I, I think, if I remember correctly, it took almost a year at the end um, it, alone. So just you know, we identified the titles, we submitted the list to EBSCO, and I think everybody, myself included, just sort of thought, oh, that's it. You know, they'll they'll run a a report or something on the spreadsheet and just you know, delete them. Um, but it wasn't quite that. It wasn't that straightforward. And when you think about it, it, it's kind of, so it's a unique collection and it's pretty complicated. Um, I don't know how familiar listeners are with the, with the piece, but so the way it worked is each year, um, libraries were able to join and participate in, in buying a collection. So collection one, collection two, collection three, and so forth. Um, but you didn't have to buy any of those. So it might, you know, my library bought I think collections three, four, five, six, and nine, something like that. But another library could could buy other ones, but then they were all interfiled, right? So you, so EBSCO apparently couldn't just go through and and just delete them on the back end. There was some sort of complication with the way they were tied, and not. 100% tied to each library that uh, you know they had to do some some more fine um, you know fine tuning I guess before they could delete them so so in any event it ended up that part certainly took longer than we thought I think the you know the review section we expected that to take a while but um, all in all I know when I signed on I wasn't thinking it would take three years um, but but it was fine you know and, and I'm glad we took our time with it and didn't rush through it uh, I think that. That led to um, an outcome that you know, a big key with this is that we need people to you know, feel comfortable with the outcome, uh, and I think the fact that we did take our time and were thoughtful about it helped uh, make that the case. Oh, certainly, I'm sure it did, and, and if anything, it probably will um, definitely influence and impact the next round of weeding. You've, you've You've, you've done it once. You know <laughs> what to do and what not to do moving forward. Mm -hmm. Now, if there are any of our listeners, any libraries, librarians listening that are um, interested in doing this with their collection, or perhaps there's mm -hmm. another consortium that's listening, consortium members listening, do you have any words of advice for them on undertaking such a project? I do, yeah. And so the, the first 
um, piece of advice I have. I kind of, like the biggest takeaway for me is, and uh, you know, all of us talked about this kind of as we were going through, is we we wish we'd thought of this earlier. So when we established uh, these collections, we had a selection criteria for how we how we picked the items, um, but we didn't establish these selection criteria at the time. We also didn't clearly convey or or didn't even really think about um, the impact that letting people letting libraries by perpetual access to something in a shared environment, um, you know what the what the effect that that would be down the road if and when we wanted to go and, and deselect items. So, so my first piece of advice would be um, to think about this upfront and and convey to folks, hey, we you know you're buying this, ensure you have it in perpetual in perpetuity, um, but we reserve the right to uh, make decisions, uh, and by we, I'm saying the consortium or whatever the governing body is making the decisions, uh, reserve the right to remove titles, you know, in the, in, you know, for the interests of the whole uh, down the road. And so that that was clear. Because like I say, there was some pushback on that. And I think rightly so. You know, when you buy a title, you think you own it forever, you, you think that you have the uh, right to decide whether or not you get rid of it. But in this case, it was a little bit different. So I think that would be my first piece of advice. Uh, the second thing, and I think we did this really well uh, through our process, was communicate. So, you know, throughout the whole process, the the um, people that were kind of championing it, who had been uh, arguing that something needed to be done, they you know, were very transparent and communicated with everybody that they could with the governing um our governing organizations uh, with our field. So we have a listserv that goes that any librarian, community college librarian in California can sign up for. Not quite 100% do, but we, we have, you know, hundreds of people that are uh, representing all of the libraries that get those emails. So there was regular updates to that listserv. Um, and, you know, communicating things, we have an, an, our organization has a newsletter, so there would be periodic updates there. So I think just communicating helped to kind of calm everybody um, because as you can imagine folks hearing hey they're going to go and remove this and and, and people want to know are they going to get a say and that sort of thing um, and also I would group in with part of that communication I, I mentioned before that we had an appeals process built into our our procedure so at the end before any of the titles were removed the deselection list was shared throughout the state and people were given you know a window of time to to respond uh, and share their concerns and through that process a, n a number of titles were um, not removed you know, dozens I don't know the title off the top of my head but it was dozens of titles that were not removed um, and so I think that you know anytime you give people an opportunity to feel involved in the process that that helps to calm some concerns um, so I was glad we we did that. I think that was a, a valuable part of uh, of the process. Uh, and then the last thing I would say, and this we we didn't necessarily plan on doing this, but this ended up being one of the the group's recommendations was to to do multiple iterations of this. So like I said, we ran into some trouble where we identified titles upon doing our comprehensive review to titles that probably shouldn't be in the collection anymore, but we that we didn't feel re comfortable removing for one reason or another. So we recommended again back that you know another weeding process be carried out in a few years, and that is scheduled to happen. Um, and so I think kind of from the outset that might 
be a good approach. You know, say, okay, we're just like you would do with any other collection. Say, you know, we're going to um, review it periodically for with an eye towards weeding. Uh, I think ebooks warrant the same sort of thing. Now, I must say, after we do this next round, I suspect most of the titles that are going to be run into currency issues will be gone. I, you know, maybe not a hundred percent because we're still dealing with tens of thousands of titles. Um, but I think the need will diminish to do this again. You know, maybe we can go a much longer period before we do it again in the future. So those are the three things. I think I would, you know, try and think of this three pieces of advice. One would be to think of it, uh, try and you know, think of these things ahead of time. Two would be really focus on communication, you know, communicate with everybody you can think of, uh, all the stakeholders. And then the third piece of advice would just from the outset plan on doing this more than once. Oh, absolutely. Valuable, invaluable words of advice. Um, in, any of our uh, listeners out there, if you can find uh, the uh, October 2018 issue of CNRL News, Weeding a Shared Ebook Collection, it's an article Brian wrote with Tamara Weintraub and Gloria Sipman. Um, it's a fascinating read. Brian, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. That wraps another episode of the Dewey Decimal Podcast. Thanks again to Rebecca Vanook and Brian Green for sitting in with us today. Join us next month as we look at AI and academic libraries. And honestly, it's something I don't know a lot about, so I'm really looking forward to these conversations next month. Have something to say about this episode? You can find us on Twitter and Facebook, or you can reach out to me directly at deweydecibel at ala.org. We love feedback, positive, negative, story ideas, anything at all let us know. As always, I'm Phil Moorhart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, and this is the Dewey Decimal Podcast.